Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rugbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Winning anything is quite a hollow experience at the end of it all, right? I think once you've won whatever, once you've achieved whatever objective you achieved, if it was solely about that thing, it then becomes quite a hollow existence. Rugby Coach Weekly presents The Coaching Knife, where we cut to the root, cut out the fluff, and Welcome challenge the, the masters of their domain to, the to cut to the, the chase. In this episode, we speak to Ollie Phillips, former England Sevens captain, now running Optimist Performance. Focusing on performance, we're going to cut to the root on why winning is underrated. Ollie, are you ready for the knife? Cannot wait. Okay, what does winning mean to you? I think the, the description of it's changed for me over time, to be honest. Before, it used to be about the W, and then it morphed into performance really all about attitude application and, and worrying less about outcome what do you mean by it was all about the w so i mean my sole focus was always on can we can we win right can we win and uh, and really i'd lost you, when you say can you win when you're in the team is it win that match or are you thinking just this match or can we win the championship can we win the tournament yeah, you know, all of the above, but you probably break that down into into bite-sized chunks, which is obviously can you win the next battle or game or whatever that's in front of you. And 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 we didn't really and I lost at the beginning of my career, definitely was more focused on that than actually the performance element of it. And and it was a win at all cost type mentality, which then really you lost a lot of the development phases of. And there are loads of teams that win lots of games, but they're not actually some of the best performers. And when it comes but it, to... But surely, so if, you go, if we go back to, uh, obviously, Eddie Jones uh, was the former England uh, head coach. And right. sometimes he was criticised for focusing on the World Cup and not winning the games in front of him. At what stage do you stop developing and what stage do you start trying to win? Yeah, I mean, great question. And But I think if you look at the last Football World Cup that's just happened, Morocco, as an example, they changed their coach two and a half months before the before the tournament. So I think... You can you can galvanize a team in a very short space of time, and as long as you've got enough talent and you've got some willpower in there, then you can put on a performance, right? So I think that upsets happen all over the place, and you can always achieve that. Having big, clear focus points, which Eddie Jones did in terms of a World Cup, and that's, in truth be told, that's really what matters. That's the crowning pinnacle moment for a, in a rugby circle. And so you focus on that, and then you need to understand the the progression and development that you go through but i think for me it was right, sorry can i just go back to the, you said the crowning yeah. yet i sense that uh having winning that crown isn't really as important as other things we 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 think it is but really there should be some other goal we should be aiming for i, I think i'll be honest with you i think winning anything is quite a hollow experience at the end of it all right i think once you've won whatever once you've achieved whatever objective you achieved if it was solely about that thing it then becomes quite a hollow existence the, the key part is actually enjoying everyone talks about it and it's probably a bit cliche but enjoying the journey as you go through it okay so why is it a cliche 
because people think that it's under it's underrated and it's not and it's not what it's all about and it's and the, the, the journey sorry the journey's underrated yeah yeah the, because everyone believes that the narrative the really important thing is is the is the victory at the end so if you if you change the circumstances loads and loads of people believe that becoming wealthy and having loads of money and like fast cars and big houses and whatever else is actually what you know is is what life is all about and it brings you loads of happiness and yet there are so many people that continually say actually i've done all this and it doesn't bring me any happiness whatsoever so if you like that win is not what it's about right and if the focus all becomes on that end goal then you miss the progression in the middle which is if i use that as the narrative as the example you miss the development of life with your kids your wife bringing friends on the journey sharing and all the like amazing experiences you get of building a business and it's the same in a team right if you if you don't tune into actually what are the highs and lows of this whole experience and how what have i learned from it and how am i growing as an individual and how am i bringing people around me with me on that journey it, it becomes a pretty pointless journey it becomes a pretty okay, pointless so you've, you talk sorry that, so you talk about a narrative mm-hmm. and again uh, a journey could be seen as a cliche a narrative is uh, a well-used phrase now. What does that mean in this context? So if I give you a good example, right? So when I joined, I was with the England squad for 11 years and I'd had a sort of a bit of a hiatus where I was playing 15s for about a year and a half. And I came back into the squad in 2008. And it was just when Ben Ryan, the coach at the time, made me captain. And he, we said we were ranked, I think, ninth in the world at that point. And we said, look, we want to be number one in the world. So I think it's good and healthy to have goals, right? So we want to be number one team in the world. But actually, what we're going to do is we're going to change how we measure our success, if you like. So it's no longer going to be about the win or lose. We're going to look at our attitude and application. So can we rate ourselves every single day on our attitude and application? We recognize that. Okay, so I I I like that idea of rating yourself. But it's a very abstract term. I mean, anyone could sort of pull out a number and say it's six today, seven, seven tomorrow. But how yeah. can you go from six to seven and say seven down to five? How does that work in terms of measuring it? Yeah, I mean, well, it's your own self-reflection, right? So it's a self-awareness piece and a, and a self-drive. So we recognise that every you can't perform at 100% every single day. It's, it's just impossible. But you can perform at 100% in terms of, your own attitude and application and where you are on that emotional cycle every single day. If you turn up and say, look, I've done everything I possibly can today to be the best version of myself. And yeah, okay, that isn't the match winning performance that I delivered three weeks ago. That's fine. That's fine. Because that's where you are at that point in time. And we know and we're confident that you've done everything you possibly can today to be the best version of you. If you do that, you'll win more than you lose in terms of the outcome. What does a person or a player uh, do to be the best version of themselves then? So obviously on day one, when Ben was setting these out with uh, with you in the group, you were giving yourself some things that you could actually change rather than think it. What, what, what was the action? What did the action look like? Are you selfless in terms of your output every single day? So Give me an example of selfless. Are you thinking about the team? So, as example, when we go down to the training paddock, are you just expecting the balls to be there, the water to be there, somebody else to do the job for you? Or are you sort of taking responsibility for yourself, for the team, to make sure that everybody has everything that that, that they need in order to, to, 
deliver their best performance, right? And collectively, okay, so I, so that that. that makes a that makes a massive difference. So players should, when they get to training, they shouldn't expect everything to be there. They've got to be helping out. Uh, can I set out the cones? Uh, can I can I get the bibs? Uh, all, all those sorts of things. It's from a from a very practical. So obviously, you're in a professional environment uh, there. If you're looking at say a, a local team. Is that's the sort of thing that they could do to make a difference? Yeah, I mean, you're seeing it all the time. And people post these pictures where, like, the, the Japanese football team or Leeds football team or New Zealand football team leave the change room immaculate mm. afterwards. I'm like, for me, I'm like, well, that that's nothing incredible. That should be a standard that you set. Like, why should you walk into somebody's home, trash it, and then leave? Like, mm. but but there are teams people that do do that right so that is an integrity thing that's a behavioral thing that is for me maintaining a standard of of excellence across the board right it's a behavioral thing performance is a behavioral thing do every single day do you turn up every single day to deliver the best version yourself it's a commitment it's a behavioral piece and there are loads of people that don't there are loads of people that cut corners Uh, you've probably got a list yourself of loads of friends that were mega talented that just didn't apply themselves every single day because they lived off their reputation, they lived off their talent, whatever it might be. But there is no substitute for somebody that is willing to, if you like, devote themselves to being great, for want of a better description. So I'm sensing that a coach is thinking, uh, if I look at my team and I want them to be uh, more self-aware, more selfless, uh, be able to give their 100%, that, if I broke my team into thirds, third will be right. Yeah, I'm definitely for this. I'll be uh, helping out doing this, doing this. A third will take some time to change, but there will always be those who will continue to be the nature which you don't want. What do you do? The laggards, yeah, the, the ones who take the longest to, to yeah, to yeah, yeah, the ones who allow others. You know, I don't have to do it because someone else will always do it for me. How are you going to work with those? Because those are the ones which are going to be the tough ones. Yeah, it's been a great question. So one, one as we've said, it's a journey. But so there's there's two elements to that. First and foremost, yes, you're right. There'll be the thirds, the laggards right at the end. They're the they're the hardest ones to change. They're also the ones that can cause the most disruption within the team. And as a coach, as a manager, your role and responsibility to is to look at okay, how do we showcase benefit? So if somebody starts to see that actually me changing my attitude and whatever, I'm getting left behind here. Then that will probably motivate someone to to look at life through a different lens. Number one, if they continue then to be problematical, you've then got a decision, to be honest with you, around the team. Like, you don't want poison in your team because it spreads quick. So you you get rid of them fast, right? If it, It's not your responsibility to try and convince someone to deliver the best version of themselves every day. If they, if they don't want to do that, if they can't be committed to that, then that's obviously a then that's their decision. But there is one thing I would say, though, is that how people arrive at that point, they take different routes, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. And that's so just, so just going back to showing the benefit. So I like the idea that you can show the benefit. Can you give me some, some ideas of players or people in your experience who've, who've really struggled with it for various reasons and the manager coach has been able to show benefit and eventually they've changed their minds? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've never been in a situation, I, mean, I probably have, right? but I can't think of it off the top of my head, but where I've got like, where we've had somebody that is just 
downright refusal to do something. Yeah. One, because in, in a team environment and in a sporting environment, you have normally got your at a massively advantageous position that you've got this carrot of, let's say, playing for England, mm. right? Or there's a World Cup that you're going to go in, right? So most people want to join whatever wave or whatever bus is going past at that point in time. But the key is then you, I would say an example and a real simple example is that players who embrace that sort of mentality start to progress a lot quicker, i.e. they start to be able to do things like talent-wise a lot a lot more efficiently and quickly. They start to build a better rapport within the team. They start to get selected more. They start to perform better on the field, right? So then if you're a player or an individual in that team that you feel like is doing the adverse or the converse to that of like, well, I don't feel like my skills progressing that much. A lot of them, a lot of these people then look to blame, right? So the ones that are quite negative in their outlook, it's never their fault. It's always so always somebody else's responsibility. Like the coach is a dickhead, players don't like I don't I can't go on with the players, I don't agree with the philosophy, blah, 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 whatever else it is, rather than reflecting on themselves and thinking, okay, what what can I do in this environment to try and change the dynamic? And that's because that's the only thing that you can ever change. Right? And if you want to extrapolate that out to maybe a life situation for people marriages and whatever else loads of people always blame the other person for like they don't do this they don't do that they don't make me feel this way and that's fine right but you can't you can't control that element what you can control is how you react and respond to something and if you like stimulus that people give you you can either change it into a negative or you can make it a positive and ultimately you arrive at an end point where you're like what i'm I've I've given everything I can to this. This is just not the right fit. And I'm just going to, I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to go find a new boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm going to go find a new team. I'm going to, whatever it is, right? So like, that's the difference. Loads of people, I don't think, in my experience of working with lots of different people, the real, really successful ones are not the ones that win or lose have got the most money. It's the ones that every single day commit to this if you like personal developments, they constantly take responsibility for their own behaviors, their own outputs, and their own if you like perspectives on life. So let's go back to the original question. Based on what we've said, then is winning actually under, underrated? Yeah, from well, I, I probably rephrase it because I think most people, when you say that, when you ask that question, they would think about winning being coined in having the winning the most games winning a world cup having the most money whereas actually for for me anyway that winning is every single day i i deliver the best version of me and if i can do that like the outcome looks after itself like i I, I don't i'll get more money i'll win more games i'll get more records whatever it is it doesn't matter if i'm delivering the best version of myself then I'm technically winning because there's nothing else I can give, right? There's, there, there is nothing else. I don't have any other energy source or any other ta- talent that I can give to you on that given day. I've tried my absolute best. And if it's not good enough on that day, no dramas. Now, you're a very competitive person and you enjoy a challenge and you enjoy winning. Now, not everybody in a team is going to have that competitive nature. So you're very competitive to do what you're saying. I want to become a better version of myself. I'm going to work really hard that, and I can reflect back on that now at the age I am. How how do you help people or teams or players within those teams 
who aren't so competitive and therefore will be willing to take the shortcuts, aren't willing to maybe help out as much? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. But as again, I think you need to, if you like, one, you could be an exemplar or you model that good behaviour, right? You, you start to show that. It's not just a like, this is what you have to do, turn up and be. It's it's a it's a philosophy, if you like, on life of, it doesn't have to relate. In, it can be like, when you wake up in the morning, uh, like it's the first thing that you do give your boyfriend or girlfriend a hug and tell them they love you like is your mindset super positive in the morning like do you approach something of like i'm going to give the best version of me or do you wake up in a glass half empty mindset right it's just a it's even that in its elementary stage people will get enormous amounts of benefit from of just flipping the way that they look at life the way that they approach it and that that as a starter for 10 is is how you keep progressing and how you get better and i think that's where i don't think you need to you, you've got to always keep encouraging people keep working with people but you don't ever have to have a definitive rule and responsibility this is what you have to do and if you don't do it you're not in the team because people will arrive there at different stages in their life hold on mate <laughs> you got got some helpers coming my daughter's very kind and just strolled into the room that's right this one yeah, yeah, she's gone now. Yeah, she's probably probably looking for a hug because uh, that's yeah, exactly. Be- that's yeah. She woke up. She's decided one hundred percent. Yeah, that's right. She said super, super uh, mindset. Yeah. Okay, so the just to finish off, what I want to try and get to then, you're not saying that you enter into a game or a match not aiming to win. No, I, I think look, I, I I mean you said it originally. I'm a competitive beast, right? I I, I enjoy the art of competition because that's problem solving here's a problem how do you solve it and ultimately how do you sort of complete the game for a better description like i really enjoy that i think there's great merit in having goals something to work towards aspirational bits and pieces that you sort of look at as like oh no i'd really like to do that because again it's problem solving it's like okay how do i go from point a to point b and then but i think most people are so focused on the point b that they don't actually enjoy any of the experience of getting from point a to point b and that is right is that is is there is there a danger five minutes to go in the match and you you can still you can still win the game uh but then you lose it and immediately after the game you say well that's fine i just strike uh mark that off for development is there a danger that uh you can say it the win doesn't matter that much it's more about the journey and therefore you end up being not as good a version of yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, it's good. So uh, let me flip that question around. So England got to a World Cup final and they beat New Zealand in, in Japan last time round, right? They beat New Zealand in what was arguably the most incredible performance of, of from an English side of all time. They got to a World Cup final and lost in South Africa. Does that mean that the whole World Cup was a total failure? Right. Some people would say yes. To that question because they didn't win it right that for me is tragic because and some players would probably say yes right because they didn't win it but my perspective on that is that it was the most incredible achievement for them because of the progression and journey they went through they came fourth or fifth in the six nations that february and then went on to a world cup final so i think and, and along along the route, beat New Zealand in the most incredible 
game arguably ever seen. This is from a rugby context. Okay, so I'm just going to stop you there then. Let's say that semi-final, we replayed that same final and they played as well as they did and they lost. Would uh, would we still be saying the same thing? Because New Zealand did come back into the game and they did uh, they did start to rattle England and they could have uh, they could have gone on to win. Yeah, but, I mean, if the British press probably not, right? Yeah, you know, because we're a fairly cynical bunch and we quite all we are focused on is the sort of shiny gold at the end of it all. But the, but the honest truth, from my perspective, is that only the players can answer that question because only they know how they approach the whole situation. If Against that game in New Zealand, they lost it. But they gave, they literally, there was nothing left. They just walked off and said, I, they, some days there are teams that people just that perform better than you. That is a fact of life. Right? There's always there's always a blacker cat somewhere, as they say. You probably have friends all the way through that you'll say, oh, I've got this lovely new phone. They'll go, oh, I've got two new phones. Or yeah. I bought this new house. It's got four bedrooms. Well, mine's got five. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's, there's always someone or something that's bigger, better. It's, so it can't just be about the, the shiny pot of gold at the end of it all. So, and I think that is where the wiring, if you like, asked, in answer to your original question, is wrong. I think that the lens that loads of people look at it through is we've won more gold medals, more World Cups than you. Well, like, great. I mean, but what, what does that mean? Like, it doesn't mean it's all, it's all about what you feel inside and yeah. the, way that, the way that you react to that. Because but that's all you can do, right? You, so if I were to say to you, Dan, go and break the 100-meter world record, right? There's no way – well, you might be very fast, Dan, right? But there's no way you're beating Usain Bolt's record, right? Right now, or, and maybe never, right? But if the first time you run, you run – make it up, 12 seconds, and by the end of it all, you've run 10 and a half, Okay. If your thought process the whole way through is the only definition and metric for me winning and having success is I break the world record, you are the most disappointed and it's been the man in the planet and it's probably going to be the biggest waste of time. But the reality is you've actually gone from 12 seconds to 10 and a half, which is a miracle in itself. And uh, there's a there's a very good frantic uh, video about how he inspired someone to run and they ran... I think he even used like 16 seconds. Then they ran 15 seconds and uh, they said, what did you run 15 seconds? And I wanted to run 14, but you got 15, which is better than 16. And that is, that's a, that's a personal win. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. So really enjoyed that. So Ollie was sevens world player of the year, uh, 2009, as well as captain England to three series cup victories. Uh, he's met, completed many adventures. He's just uh, fallen off the ergometer this weekend, uh, raising money for uh, Dolly Aid and as also sailed around the world. What was that 11 months it took you? Is that what I read? It, it did, Dan, yeah. Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, yeah, now no doubt you said uh, 12, so 11, and so you won there. So he aims to inspire <laughs> change through shared experience, continue learning, and has an appetite to help and support people. You can contact him on www.optimistperformance.com. Okay, some questions to finish off. Ollie, how old are you? 40. 40. Uh, What coaching book is by your bedside? Or might not be coaching book. He's actually going to lean across to his bedside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm actually... So probably the, the book that's had the biggest impact on me, ironically from a coaching side is one called decide to win and then a human being that has impacted me more than anything or any book in life is a guy called steve black 
Oh yeah, Steve Black. Yeah. Uh, which uh, well, which coach teacher are you loving at the moment? Which coach teacher am I loving at the moment? Well, I'll be honest. It's more so through our Optimist stuff. We're doing we we do experiential learning. That's what we do. We we create situations and scenarios so that people can redefine their uh, like ideas on success, winning, performance, team cultures. I, so at the moment, I'm loving some of my team. There's a lady who works with us, Charlotte Watham, who's brilliant. She's had a oh, bit yeah. of a bumpy ride, but absolutely outstanding at the moment. Right. Which Coaching team better. sport subject would you love to coach at the moment? Well, I've just finished a stint with as head of performance for Team China. All right. And that was fascinating. So I, I think I'd love to do something again within the Asian. I mean, that doesn't necessarily answer your question, but like within the Asian market, Asian arena, because I love the cultural difference. I love the cultural challenge of, okay, how do we, how do we still perform? How do we achieve? When they think, when they look at sport, they look at everything in a very different lens that we that we do. Uh, you've already told me who's inspired you most, which is Steve Black. Correct. Uh, uh, what would you tell your twenty-year-old self to do more of? Well, I would have told him at the very beginning: maximize your strengths, manage your weaknesses. Don't worry about what, you know, what everyone else. Does. Luckily, Steve Black told me that when I very first turned up, and I didn't listen to it for the first sort of two, three years because I was too worried about what every coach would say to me. And then, thankfully, I did listen to it. And you know, but I saw it everywhere in, in sport. It was rife. These all these coaches that would sign this young talent. They'd have an X factor. They'd come in and they'd be like a, a classic example is a hooker come in really mobile, all around the park, real threat. Then they're like, "Are oh, you too small? So you need to put weight on." They'd spend twelve months putting weight on, getting massive and heavy, and then at the end of the year they'd sack them. They're like, "Oh, why are you firing me?" They're like, "Oh, you're not mobile enough. You're not mobile enough. You don't move around the park." And I was like. It's the most ridiculous coaching perspective I've ever seen. And we'd get games where we'd win 57-3 or something, and the coach would come in and show all the things that we did wrong in the game. I was like, we just won by more than 50 points. Surely we can reinforce some positive outcomes and identify some strengths rather than here's everything we've just cocked up and then all the language, all the energy is negative. So ma- maximise your strengths manage your weaknesses manage your weaknesses Ollie it's been brilliant thank you very much for your time Tom man cheers Dan <laughs>